you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios, the incredible Blue Wire Studios here at the Win Las Vegas for NBA Summer League. Joining me today is going to be Albert Wynn, the analytics capper. Excited to have him on board as well. We're going to talk about the Dame Lillard saga, how that continues. We'll talk a little bit about NBA Summer League, about Rookie of the Year futures. We'll talk a little bit more about where the market's going to be going forward as NBA goes into full off-season mode. A reminder that everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get up the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. All sorts of great content, getting you set for football season, spreads, totals, everything you need to know, win totals, all of our great content, as well as all of our podcasts. Make sure to check it out in the Action Network app. I'm pleased to be joined today by... Albert Wynn, he's the analytics capper. You can follow him on Twitter at analytics capper. AC's enjoying the summer, betting a little bit of baseball, betting a little bit of everything out there as he always kind of is. AC, I'm going to bring you on here and we're going to talk a little bit about the Damian Lillard saga because that's the talk of NBA circles here at Summer League. Every conversation goes with like, oh yeah, so-and-so looked good. So-and-so looked good in Summer League. Oh yeah, did you hear what this move was really good for them? But inevitably there's a pause in the conversation and it becomes... So what do you think happens with Dame? And everyone's been asking this question, AC, continuously. Um, I will start right here. Word has started to percolate in the last couple of days here in Vegas that there's a high probability that the Portland Trailblazers will actually be dragging this situation out, that they're not simply going to relent and give the Miami Heat the deal that we've talked about for weeks, that they are going to continue looking at offers, waiting for things to separate, waiting for more teams possibly to get involved. If Miami can find the assets they need to trade for multi-time all-star, multi-time all-NBA superstar Damian Lillard. A lot of conversation about that going forward. And, and there has been a little bit of an idea that the Blazers might actually drag this not just into August, not just into training camp, but there's actually a possibility that Damian Lillard could be a Portland Trailblazer on game one of the NBA season. There's obviously skepticism around that, given how hard Dame's management and, and uh, agency has represented the idea that he won't play for no one 
but Miami this upcoming season. But there's a lot of skepticism around the league. The Dame's really wired to be the kind of guy that holds out and makes things uncomfortable. So AC, I'll, I'll start right here with this question. The uncertainty, I think, is going to truncate the market a little bit. We're going to see like a little bit of difficulty in getting some of the numbers that we're used to. I talked to an odds maker today and I asked him, so are you guys going to put out win totals and just ignore the Blazers and the Heat and maybe the Sixers and all these type of things? And the answer was basically, look, if we wanted to, we could publish win totals tomorrow. That's the thing we could do, but we're not gonna. We're going to wait to see how the situation plays out because there's too much of uh, an exposure of risk depending on where Damian Lillard would end up. So we're going to see a little bit of a truncation in the market. Is that going to complicate, do you think, your future betting, trying to get a sense for these type of things? And also just what's your expectation for how you think this entire thing ends up? Yeah, it's definitely going to complicate things. I'm, I, I are on the side of being cautious anyway, so I'm not going to do anything related to Dame. So Miami, Portland, maybe Philly um, are uh, certainty there. Uh, I will say this, Matt, maybe Michael Rubin just needs to have another white party <laughs> to have Dame Lillard and the executives there just so they can talk. Because apparently James Harden is now good with the Sixers. He's he's not requesting a trade. Apparently he's going to report to Philly. But um, I, I like your point when it comes to Dame and them dragging it out, is he the type of guy that would hold out and not play? Um, it's tough because several seasons, right? It's It's been kind of like a PR battle. He doesn't want to look like the bad guy, but at the same time, he wants to always look like the good guy. Same with Portland, right? So it's an interesting situation, but the key cog, in my opinion, if he really wants to go to Miami, Jacquez becomes like the most valuable rookie that we have in the league, right? Because he's potentially... Uh, part of that deal, whether it's Hero or other first-round picks, but he would be rookie of this year to be going in a, a Dame Lillard trade. Yeah, so I, I think the idea of the markets being kind of dragged out and not necessarily published as long is kind of interesting because what we've seen the last couple of years is they've published win totals very early for us, and we've seen win totals publish, like, pop immediately. And then those immediately get bet, and we lose a lot of value on that. Cleveland last year, Sacramento went up two wins. Uh, the Cavs went up even before the the uh, Donovan Mitchell trade like that. Those numbers already went up on a, from a win total perspective. And obviously divisions and all these other things are tied into it as well. So from one of the things that I kind of think is if these totals wait a little bit longer, it's going to shorten that amount of time for them to settle, which might give us a little bit more time to actually prepare and know where we want to have buy in points for these win totals. I mean, there's so many that, that I've already got my eye on. I'm very anxious to see what those numbers are going to be for Oklahoma City, uh, for Indiana in particular is one that I'm really excited to bet as soon as it comes out on the over for that one. You know, we've talked about a few of these on the show before, but I do think that there's going to be good value on some of these returns. I'm expecting some of the other markets like divisions actually to pop. I think we may not get win totals, but we'll get division odds. Some of those are actually at the books in Las Vegas right now, which I thought was really surprising given the uncertainty that's, that's kind of presented. So there, I think there'll be these opportunities, but the truncated kind of window, I think maybe to an advantage of betters to be able to get in before in like a little bit of a tighter window uh, relative, as long as you're paying attention to when those numbers come up. And obviously you can follow both the show and the action network at action network HQ in order to get those numbers as soon as possible. Uh, you mentioned the heat and the number them and, and about betting them. So we've kind of talked about this before Miami was at 22 to one at some books before Damian Lillard essentially requested a trade. And as soon as he did, that's, that started moving. Went to 16 to one. Uh, I, I found a buy point at 14 to one. We're now looking at 10 to one pretty much across the board in the market on the Miami Heat to win the NBA title in 2024. From the perspective of, you mentioned you want to wait, you want to see how this plays out. Is there 
better value if you do want to bet it? If somebody were to want to bet it, do you think the better value is to be found in the uncertainty surrounding some of the other teams that might trade for him? Or if you're somebody that looks at this and goes, the Heat are going to be awesome with Damian Lillard. I want to get on this now. If that's the case, how do you think you approach this from a timing standpoint? Yeah, that's an interesting question. When it comes to the Heat, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but there might be opportunities to bet other teams that are going to be contending in the East as well. Because the longer Portland drags this out, and you see it firsthand in Denver, Denver won not not only because of Jokic's brilliance and Jamal Murray, but they've been building this team for several years. Chemistry doesn't happen overnight. So the longer that uh, the Dame trade uh, occurs, right, the, the longer it gets prolonged, I think less time for Jimmy, Bam Adebayo, and those guys you know, get time, practice time on the court with Dame. So I think that's really good. If anything, if, if that trade happens close to into the season, I'm definitely betting the under there in terms of win totals. That's what we did with, uh, you know, the Kevin Durant trade when he went to Phoenix. We bet the under there. And then we also uh, backed one of their division rivals, right, in the in Sacramento Kings. So that was great value. Um, but as far as to answer your question in terms of timing, yes, there's there's definitely value, but it's, someone who leveraged a lot of analytics, you too, it's really a guessing game at this point. Unless you have inside information or unless you know for sure he's coming by this date, um, the uncertainty is is an opportunity, but at the same time, it's it's truly a guessing game in my opinion. Yeah, the other thing I would kind of you know mention here is if you're looking at those other opportunities, the other teams that might be involved in this kind of a deal, I think what you want to look at very specifically, you do not want to bet on any GM that either that they need to have one of two characteristics. Okay. The, the front office, essentially, whoever's in charge of the front office, whether it's GM or president basketball ops, you either want absolute job security. So Brad Stevens is not going anywhere. Like Brad Stevens is not going to get fired anytime soon. And he's got absolute job security to take huge risks and still have the backing of ownership. The other side of that is you might want to look at somebody who's in more of a desperation spot. Um, Daryl Morey, I think is pretty exasperated with how things have gone in Philly. It's been very difficult for him. I don't even know necessarily that he wanted to leave Houston initially. I don't think that was something that he wanted or expected. And that situation I think was difficult for him initially. And obviously the Philly thing has been racked with difficulty between Ben Simmons, um, coaching situation with doc rivers, you know, Joel Embiid's health, all of these types of things, especially the Harden situation, trying to navigate that. So Maury is on the other end of this, which is Maury is like the kind of guy that would absolutely deal with the uncomfortableness of Dame being like, but I didn't want you to trade for me and being like, cool, that that's great. You're here. You're under contract, your decision. You can play or you can not play, but you're going to want to play. Um, also, he's under a little bit of pressure in terms of trying to put together a contending team around Joel Embiid. So if you're looking for a team, if you're, if you're looking for an opportunity to get in before an outlier trade were to occur, and again, I'll maintain the most likely outcome of this, the most likely outcome is definitely going to be the Dame Lillard is with the Miami Heat. But if that doesn't happen, it's definitely going to be because of a, a GM that's either got absolute job security. That's why Danny Ainge has come up. He's got a lot of security in Utah, kind of fresh there, not under any pressure. Rebuilding has gone well. And because of... The other side of it, which is teams that are really desperate in terms of trying to make a move, trying to finally get over the hump, those types of things. I think it's why Brooklyn has faded from
from the conversations because initially there was a lot of conversation about Brooklyn as a potential suitor. And I think Dame wants to play with Mikhail Bridges. Those two are close. Those two have a good relationship. But Brooklyn has kind of made it clear, like, look, we're not ready to contend. We're just not in a spot where we can add Dame Lillard and really be able to make a push for a championship. So without that, I think there's a good opportunity. There's probably a, a lack of confidence that Brooklyn's going to be able to get that deal done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. On the other side of this, one outcome I think that you can bet that's really interesting is a guy that played yesterday for just a few minutes before he suffered a shoulder injury uh, out probably for the rest of summer league and just no reason to really mess with it. And that's Scoot Henderson. There's not a lot of concern that Scoot Henderson's going to miss significant time. He should be fine, but he's going to miss summer league. Uh, anybody that gets hurt in summer league, you can just go ahead and expect they're not going to play. Like it's just very rare that a team sees their number one, their top overall draft pick get hurt and be like, yeah, he should play through it for summer league. No, it's just not worth it. Just go ahead and rest him, especially if you have to have the kind of start that Scoot Henderson had in the first game. Uh, Scoot Henderson's plus 380 currently. His odds have skyrocketed after being plus 600 earlier. Brandon Anderson told you all about that. If you either followed him on Twitter or in the last previous show, betting Scoot Henderson at these numbers, that value is already down to plus 380. But I will say Scoot was incredibly impressive we'll talk a little bit more about his performance in a minute but albert just from an opportunity perspective if we agree that dame lillard's not going to be in portland by the end of the season i think everyone has to agree with that scoot henderson stands to benefit the most in terms of minutes opportunity all the things that made scoot not attractive when dame was going to be there from a usage and, and availability standpoint that's all gone because scoot henderson is definitely going to be the star that they're building around going forward scoot henderson not only has the game but he has the body to potentially last an 82 game season, right? That's always the biggest question mark, in my opinion, when you're betting rookie or rookie year odds. Can this player play a full season or can this player play the minimum amount of games to actually be eligible for the award? Um, a lot have gotten hurt that first year and then come back the second year, right? Because they missed the, the full year and there's just so much better that year because they had a year of coaching, a year of being around the league. So guys like Chet Holmgren, I'm thinking of like Blake Griffin back in the day when he hurt his knee and came back second of the year. So I think Chet Holmgren, in my opinion, has great odds, uh, great value there. And also we know OKC is on the up. So I think he's going to get a, a nice little premium or a nice little tax for being potentially a winning team. Um, if Scoot Henderson wins it, it's, it's definitely going to be something similar to Paolo where um, A, his numbers are great. And then B, there's really no no other competition, right? There's Jalen Williams made some noise for the second half of, of last year, but it was Paolo the entire time. And I think uh, with this class, you're getting value with Scoot Henderson, uh, but at the same time, there's just 
you know, you, you, you expect them to be a lot more competitive with Wemby and those guys. Yeah. And you mentioned, it was a great point you made about the body. Uh, <laughs> my, my first kind of note that I took when I saw Scoot live and, and the best value about things about coming to summer league, honestly, if you're coming out here and you're thinking about doing summer league and maybe doing some betting as well as what, when you're out here is you get to see these guys up close and personal and really get a sense for what they look like. Like Paolo Bancaro came in last year and I was immediately, I, I watched five minutes of him and started betting him for rookie of the year because it was so evident that he was just so far physically above everybody else that he was playing against. Scoot Henderson had a little bit of that for a guard. Like he's a tank. He is absolutely a tank. And that combination of athleticism size and strength combined with what I thought was a really great passing performance by him, you know, does put him in the, in kind of, I honestly think the kind of the driver's seat, I do think this market is off. Brandon Anderson, I've been texting and Brandon's been saying like, I honestly think he should be the favorite probably a little bit too much for me. I still think he should be a plus number. I do kind of wonder if Victor Weminyama though, should be a plus number as well. And I'm not trying to overreact after game one. Uh, I don't know how much you were able to catch last night, AC, but women Yama's debut, obviously really disappointing. Um, a lot of really funny comments and jokes from people, you know, kind of mockingly overreacting to game one. Uh, I'll say this. I, his game is not well built to take over summer league. It's not well built big struggle in general in summer league, because these guys have played about six days together. If you are so physically dominant that you're just able to dunk on everybody, then sure you can have a massive game. But that's not how Wemanyama is. He's long. He's exceptionally gifted. His combination of skills and size is what gets him there. It's not his size and it's not his skill. It's the combination thereof that had made him such a talented prospect. But a lot of what makes him so great as a prospect are the things that he's going to be able to do with time and in team settings and in formal environments with better talent around him. He showed great passing yesterday. He's a very willing passer and he made some very smart reads. He reads the floor really well. He has all this kind of understanding. Conditioning was really rough for him. Uh, he's been playing in EuroLeague. He admitted that he wasn't used to the pace of play and that he was winded when he went back to the bench. Like that's something that he's going to have to get through. Conditioning is going to have to be a real premium for what San Antonio puts him through. A lot of confidence they'll do that over the next two months. But also the size and strength thing is an issue. It's going to be a problem. And that's going to cause issues with his ability, I think, to be able to put up the numbers that you need for rookie of the year, because you can't just give him the ball on the block or in triple threat position on, on the nail and just be like, go to work, kid. You can't do it because the, he has the same problem that Chet Holmgren has, which is when they're in triple threat position, which is where they catch that ball uh, at some point in the post and they face up and you can drive, you can pass, you can shoot. Okay. When he's in that spot and he gives a shoulder bump, guys aren't going anywhere. They don't move at all. Carmelo Anthony was the master of the triple threat because Melo was insanely strong. And so when Melo hit you with that shoulder, you were getting bumped off of your spot and he was able to rise up and shoot. Weminyama doesn't have that strength or anything close to it yet. He's got really good handle for a guy that's 7'2". He's got really good shooting for a guy that's 7'2". But he also is still 7'2", and that handle is always going to be a little bit higher. The Hornets were bringing triple teams, quadruple teams, all these types of things at him to disrupt him. So AC, I'll say this. Um, I would say that because of how rough I think his first two months will be, I feel pretty confident that Wembenyama is still going to be the best player out of this draft class. Although there's a lot of really exceptional guys we'll talk about, but I do think that right now it's definitely not the time to bet him for rookie of the year. Wait until he starts and struggles to start the season. If you're like, well, I think over the back half of the season, he's going to get a shooting together and really dominate. Just wait. 
he'll probably struggle to start the season for their first 15, 20 games, and you'll have a lower buy point for him than you do right now. That's a great point. And I, I do want to, I don't want to undersell. The guy is 7'2". So when you're dribbling, it's just a lot easier to take his pocket. Yeah. I mean, we saw it We saw it with Jalen Brown, right, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And Jalen Brown is 6'7". This guy's basically a foot taller, so that it needs to be very tight. But I think from a numbers perspective, I, I completely agree with you. I think if you want to, if you want to buy and bet in terms of rookie of the year, definitely wait. Definitely wait until November, December. He'll hit another rookie wall. That'll be another potential buy-in as well. But from a numbers perspective, I think he's going to average a double-double pretty easily because I think he's going to get all the defensive rebounds. Um, and then he's going to have like an absurd amount of blocks. And you know, you and I know just through our conversations, but a lot of these um, awards are so highlights, like highlight level caliber plays. So like when Jaron Jackson had super blocks or monster blocks, those count more than a Brooke Lopez block, right? So when you see Victor doing the same thing, he's definitely going to have those highlight real defensive plays. He will struggle offensively, and he's going to be going up against teams that scheme against him, that know his tendencies, things like that. We already saw in game one, and it's trying to overreact to the first summer league game, but you saw they're not giving him any space, and he doesn't have the first step at this stage of his career to really get around guys, right? So he needs to be tactical on, on when he wants to use that dribble. And then uh, in terms of like body type or body style, it's very similar to Christoph Porzingis when he first came into the league. I think where Porzingis really succeeded as a rookie was crashing those offensive rebounds. So if Victor can do the same thing and have those, again, highlight caliber tip dunks, you know, more, uh, you know, more exposure and, and more narrative towards his rookie of the year campaign. But I agree with you. Definitely don't bet him now, especially if you expect him to struggle coming out. And then you expect some of the other guys to be really good, like instantly. We talked about Scoot, but uh, I think Brandon Miller, he's not going to be a great player, but I think being in Charlotte, I think he's going to have some, their numbers are going to look good, things like that. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. I would wait on Wimby, but I think he's going to end up winning. I do think that there might be some value on some of the other guys, though, and especially you know, somebody that constantly bets 8,000 guys per award and builds these big portfolios. That's definitely in my MO. Uh, I want to talk about a few more guys. So Chet Holmgren, um, the conversation about him has been like, hey, yeah, 13 pounds of muscle. And pretty much everybody's been like, yeah, that's that's not enough, kiddo. Like, that's that's not enough after a year of being away from the game and being injured. Really would have liked to have seen him added more muscle because he's still, the comparisons to me, watching Chet Holmgren today in the OKC game, and, and he had a fine game for OKC in the win over Dallas, but the similarities between him and, and Weminyama are like transparent. Like it's very obvious that they have the same kind of build and the same kind of problems. I talked about stuff out of the triple threat, same deal where Holmgren's trying to get separation and all these guys can try is to try and separate with their handle. But in the NBA, a lot of bigs and a lot of wings are going to be able to handle them from a perspective of putting pressure on the ball and disrupting them. So they can't get to their spots. When he drives, he does get knocked off of his spot. He can drive, he can draw a foul sometimes versus smaller guys. It was really interesting today watching the matchup versus Dallas because when Derek Lively, who is very raw and is going to need a lot of, of coaching, I think, for him to really be an impact player this season. When he was on the floor, Chet Holmgren was pretty much invisible. Wasn't getting rebounds, wasn't doing much. But when Holmgren was playing center versus the small ball lineups for Dallas, because Lively's really the only big, true big they have on roster, he dominated. 
So a lot of this is going to be the question of whether or not OKC is going to have a center to put next to Holmgren. And if they do not, which I don't think that they're going to, I don't think they're going to want to mess up the floor spacing that way. Then I honestly think that Holmgren's going to struggle a little bit and it's going to impact things like their defense and um, their rebounding percentage in particular. They're going to get really hurt on the offensive glass with Holmgren. Holmgren, though, here's what's amazing is that despite all of these things, he's still incredible at blocking shots. Like there were times when the Dallas guards thought about challenging him and just backed out and went the other direction. So he's gonna be able to make plays like that, but that isn't when you're rookie of the year. It's about points and either rebounds or assists, really. And I don't see him being dominant on rebounds. I don't see him being dominant on assists. And from an offensive perspective, I think he's gonna be great as a spot up shooter. He had like an open three that was just like clean and there was never any doubt that it was going in. So he's got like all these little things that he can contribute to get points, but he's not gonna be able to score a lot on his own. It's gonna be a lot of, the other players setting him up and they have guys that can do that. You know, Shea Gillis, Alexander, uh, case Kaysen was incredible today. I thought, I, I thought case Wallace was really amazing for OKC, but I think that Chet Holmgren's really going to struggle from putting up the requisite numbers that we're going to see from a rookie of the year candidate. So if it's not Wemby and it's not scoot and it's not Chet, we could really start getting into some bigger numbers, which we'll talk about in a second. But I am curious is your thoughts. If you have any on, on how Chet Holmgren's looked so far in summer league, both in Utah and here in uh, Vegas. Yeah. It's interesting when we talk about Chet Holmgren, because the Utah summer league is even a step below, in my opinion, the Vegas summer league. So he went from, Utah and now he's in Vegas and it's even a step further up but I think when it comes to Chet um, it's really many people mention 12 or 13 pounds but Matt for you and me that's like a week in Vegas we would <laughs> put on 12 pounds pretty easily but um, I think he's always had this MO around him like throughout his um, you know high school career as well as college career he's too skinny he, you know the lower body with all of that he still played with these guys his entire life, you know, in the AAU circuit, he has the game to do it. He has great touch around the rim. I think, like you said, he's going to block a ton of shots and he's going to be part of a team that is really just going to fit him in instead of relying on him to be the star. And I think that's a big, big asset for him to have to be a part of a team that is not only on the up and hope to make the playoffs, but also on a team that's you know, pretty solid with the pieces around him with Shea and Giddy. We saw Kaysen tearing up uh, today. But no, in terms of Holmgren, I'm a buyer. I, I like his outlook long-term, personally. Yeah, I think we'll talk about some of the, the long shots here. Uh, but I do want to kind of mention kind of Casey Wallace, who was incredible. The shooting was maybe an outlier, but he looked very comfortable. And he made plays. He made good reads. He made, he was defense was good. He looks like yet another hit for OKC. I just can't, I, it's really kind of shocking uh, how much it's difficult not to talk about how good OKC looks. Like Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams was here doesn't need to be here any longer. Like he's clearly an NBA guy. Doesn't need to be here. He'll be done by the end of the week. Um, they've got Chet Holmgren. They've got all of these guys that I think are ready to contribute. Now they may not all be ready on the same timeline, but they're all going to be, I think, contributors. Um, I was really impressed with Wallace and not just because of the shooting. He looked like he belonged. And that's, that goes a long way here where what you don't want is you don't want a guy to look really uncertain and uneven. And that sounds like Webb and Yama kind of was, uh, but you know, I'm willing to give Victor Wembanyama like a lot, a lot of of benefit of the doubt here on the long term. I will say that there are guys that come in and you immediately go like, oh yeah, that guy's gonna play in the league for a long time. And Casey Wallace, I to me uh, from just one game performance and seeing him up close, that looked like it. And that's what scouts said too. The scouts I talked to today was I asked like who was impressive, and they're like Casey Wallace is like he's special, he's a guy. And I was like, great, that's the, that's exactly what what was in my kind of 
of eyesight. Um, Anthony Black had a really good performance today for the Magic. I don't know if he's going to get the minutes, but that's one to kind of keep an eye on if you want to take a longer shot here at plus 6,500. Again, the Weminyama conversation, I think, is interesting because from the betting perspective, you and I both have said, like, yeah, Weminyama probably wins. But there's more of a chance that he doesn't win than I think the market is reflecting. I mean, bear in mind, he's minus 170 to win this thing. And that, to me, is way too high given the variance, what his game looks like right now. And also the surrounding talent in OKC is not great or in San Antonio rather. It's just not great. Uh, they don't have a lot of talent. It's, it's not like I go like, well, he'll look a lot better when he's next to Keldon or, or Devin Vassell. Like, I like those guys. Those guys are good players, but they're not going to instantly be like, oh, they make everything work with Weminyama. And this is, I'll kind of wrap things up here with this AC. If there's one bet I can kind of recommend in the rookie market after being in Vegas here for the last couple of days, uh, for me, it's Amon Thompson plus 2,900 love the way that that kid was playing before he had an ankle injury and will probably be done for the, for summer league. The, this to me might be the guy for Houston, not just from the perspective of what he does athletically, the passing, the height, he is so big. He's got such an advantage over so many of these small guards that are hanging out there. He has an ability to really tie things together for Houston. Next to Fred Van Vliet, I think Amon Thompson makes sense. Next to Jabari Smith, who had an absolutely phenomenal third quarter after a rough first half and finished with 31. He makes Jabari Smith better. He's the guard that Jabari Smith has needed to play with in the NBA. Next to Alpern Shangoon, that's going to be a tough combo with Amon's size coming off of dribble handoffs with Alpern Shangoon. All of these guys, I think, are going to be able to play with Amon Thompson. You notice I have not said Jalen Green, because I'm going to need Jalen Green to show me that he can do things like go an entire game without pulling up from 38 feet with 19 on the shot clock before we start including him in these discussions. Like Jalen Green's numbers are better than Devin Booker's were at his age. And that's a real credit to Jalen for being more efficient than Devin, who was literally on one of the worst teams I've ever seen until he started to put it together. And maybe Jalen does the same, but I'm going to need to see it first. At 29 to one, I will just tell you that Amon Thompson looked not only like the kind of athletic player that he was billed as as a prospect, but he looked like a guy that was going to help Houston have a better chance to win games. And if he is able to combo scoring assists and makes them better, even though this is just a, a, a stats award, I think there's value on Amon Thompson plus 2,900 to win rookie of the year. Yeah, that's a good look there. And I do want to double click on the Rockets here. I mean, for whatever you think in terms of their signings in the offseason, whether they overpaid or underpaid, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, the truth is they they spent a lot of money. So when you when a team spends that much money in one summer, uh, you expect a big, significant improvement in the next year. So um, I'm expecting that they think they should make the play in or potential playoffs. Um, and so when you speak about Thompson and Green Big Jabari Smith fan myself, I thought the Dylan Brooks signing was a little weird. Not not because of the player, but because of the length of contract for four years, you're gonna have him under contract while you're developing your guys. Didn't really make sense to me. Hopefully he doesn't eat into the development of guys like Thompson and, and Green and those guys. But uh, I agree. I think uh, this is another situation similar to Chet where Amin Thompson is not going to be used to be the star of the team, right? He's not going to be dependent to get all one single night. He can plug into the team, whether that's a six-man role or starting role, whatever the case may be, but make just make winning plays 
And then um, I think voters are going to take notice of that. I don't know if he's going to have the sheer numbers to really win the award, though. Yeah, there'll be skepticism, I think, about whether or not he is going to get minutes, right? I think that's going to be one of the questions here. It's like, well, you know, Fred Van Vliet's obviously going to play 30, and Jalen Green should play 30. Is there going to be enough minutes left over for Amon Thompson? I think Jalen will play some three. Um, and everyone, and then a few Rockets fans are like, what about Kevin Porter Jr.? Yeah, I, you should look at their offseason moves, Rockets fans. They're not being subtle about their, about their intentions here. Like, it's, they've been pretty obvious about what they think about Kevin Porter Jr. at this point. Although I will say KPJ is great as a pure spot up weapon. Um, my opinion is that if Amon, and, and maybe this is just, we don't have enough information. We'll see how he looks in the rest of the of summer league and preseason in particular, uh, since he's probably not going to play here in Vegas the rest of the way with that ankle. You know, when we look in preseason, we'll see how it looks. I kind of feel like initially that there's a good opportunity for him to be able to actually earn minutes, to be able to really get separation and to be like, we can't keep this guy off the floor. That's what I see from him. That's what I see from talking to talking to people in the league. Uh, I think there's a real opportunity there for Amon Thompson that may be under the market if you're looking to take a longer shot on rookie of the year. All right, it's got to do it for buckets. My thanks to Albert Wynn, the analytics capper. You can find him on Twitter at analytics capper. He'll be with you all throughout the summer, betting baseball and all the other things that go on in this dead time of the year. Then heading in the football season, you want to check out his picks as well. You can check out all of my picks as well in the Action Network app. I'll be betting Summer League here throughout the rest of the week. It's a, uh, it's a fun environment, and uh, there is a little bit of a way to find edges. I'll be writing a little bit of that on the Action Network and in the Action Network app about how to find value from a motivational standpoint. Who wants to win? Who's built to win in these Vegas summer league games. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, my thanks to David Payne, our producer, as well as I do want to give a special shout out to the folks here at the Blue Wire Studios for hosting us. Absolutely incredible. Brian Jones and the guys, absolutely incredible studio. This has been an amazing experience to be able to be here and to do a show from here. Hoping to do it again next year at Summer League and bring in some of the action folks. Maybe I'll drag Brandon Anderson out to do a show with me live from Vegas. We'll see what Vegas Brandon Anderson looks like. Meanwhile, make sure to check out the Action Network app for all your betting needs. We'll see you guys again next time. And until then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.